Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, good morning, everyone. I am delighted to be here. I really am. I love being at Monclova Road Baptist Church. I love the spirit of this place. And I love your Missions Emphasis Month and the privilege I have to be part of it. So it's just a joy for me to be here. I'm sorry my wife and daughter are not with me on this trip, uh, but I'm glad to be here. Um, I would ask you to pick up one of the booklets for our ministry, Worldview Ministries. Our focus is entirely on Bible translation. We have nine projects in six different countries, and you can find those on the guest welcome table out in the lobby there. Go out that door to the right. You'll find that and uh, pick up one of those on your way out and pray for us. Now, I hope this morning is not like what I'm about to share with you, but one preacher got up on Time Change Sunday and said, you think you lost an hour last night. Wait till you hear me preach. I hope it's not like that for the next few moments, right? I do have an hour, right? I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't. John chapter 20 in your Bible, please. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject sent by Jesus Christ. Sent by Jesus Christ. And if you will find that text quickly, John chapter 20. I'm going to bow for a, a word of prayer. And then we will get right into the introduction and the message. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of opening your word. What a precious book. And what a wonderful mission you've invited us to join. And I pray that we'll see that in a a very clear way today, a very fresh way that will challenge our hearts and draw us closer to you. I plead for your help and your spirit's fullness for the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. We talk a lot about the Great Commission. If I were to ask the average Christian, uh, where is the Great Commission found in the Bible? The the average person would say, well, that's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, etc., etc. There are actually five commissions in the Bible. There's one found in Matthew, one in Mark, one in Luke, one in John, and one in Acts. Those five commissions make up what we call the Great Commission. And in recent months and actually last couple of years, I've been doing a study on those five commissions, kind of a chronological study, the order in which they were given, because the order the Lord gave them is not the order of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. All five were given between the, the resurrection day of our Lord and ascension day. That was a 40-day period. Each one was worded differently. There are some who would say the Lord gave the Great Commission once and the Bible writers just put it in their own words. But that's not true. The Lord gave it five times and each time he used different wording because there was a unique and specific emphasis each time he gave it. There was a particular aspect of the mission that God wanted his apostles, Jesus wanted his apostles to understand. And in order for them to grasp the totality of the mission... They needed to get it in bite-sized pieces. And so I want to give you a quick outline of those five bite-sized pieces, and then we're going to focus in on one of them, 
for our study this morning. The first time the Lord gave the commission was in John chapter 20 and verse 21. And I call this one the sender. We're going to look at that one in just a few moments, but the theme of this one is that you have been sent by Jesus Christ. I'm not going to steal my thunder for my message this morning, but just remember that theme. We'll come back to that thought in just a few minutes. That was on resurrection day. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and look at the scripture right here. John chapter 20 and verse 1, you'll see these words. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. So back to the beginning of the verse, what day of the week is it? It's the first day of the week, and the stone has been taken away. You continue to read in this chapter, and you'll find out that there was nobody in there. Jesus had risen from the dead. She went back to get Simon, Peter, and John. They came running to the tomb, and, and the disciples learned that Jesus was, was risen. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus actually appeared to Mary there uh, at the tomb and spoke to her. And then we get all the way down to verse 19, and you'll see these words. John 20, verse 19, <clears throat> then the same day at evening. So this is resurrection day in the evening of resurrection day. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them, uh, stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So I wanted to establish for you right here that this is the first day of the week. This is the first time the Lord gave a commission. We'll come back to that in just a few minutes. The second time the Lord gave a commission is in Mark 16, 15. And this is about eight days later, and you can compare Scripture with Scripture and you'll find that Thomas wasn't there the first time the Lord gave it. So in Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I call this the scope of the mission, the sender of the mission. And now we have the scope of the mission. The third time the Lord gave it is in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And this takes place about two weeks later. And, and it is believed that it happens on a mountain in Galilee, perhaps the same mountain where the Lord gave the Sermon on the Mount. And it is believed that many, many people were present. This is what probably what Paul was referring to in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said that the risen Lord was seen of above 500 brethren at once. He was probably referring to the occasion when the Lord said the words of Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. This is the strategy of the mission. The strategy is making disciples. And we don't have time to expound on that this morning. The fourth time the Lord gave the, the, the commission is in Luke 24, 47, and I call this the subject of the mission. The subject is that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And the fifth time the Lord gave the commission is Acts 1, 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. So let me summarize this outline right here in one sentence. You and I have been sent into the whole world to make disciples by the preaching of the gospel in the power of the Spirit. Uh, Brother Moses made the comment at the, uh, during, the, uh, during the song service a few moments ago that we're thankful, to, I forget his exact words, but something about the Spirit of God helping us do the work of God. And it would be very discouraging if we were sent into the whole world to make disciples 
by the preaching of the gospel, and we had to do it in our own strength. But we have the Spirit of God to help us. I don't have time to expound on all five of those, but you can get my book later. I'm writing a book on it, okay? And I'll make sure you know when it comes out, all right? Now, I want us to look at John's commission this morning because I think John's commission is the most often overlooked, the most underemphasized. And the theme of this mission is we are sent by Jesus Christ. The entire Gospel of John contains this theme of sending. The word send or sent in all of its forms appears 60 times in 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. So here's my first main point. My outline is very simple. If you're taking notes, you can see it on the screen, and, and it's not much to write down. Main point number one, here it is. Jesus was sent by God the Father. Look at our verse again, verse 21 of John 20. <clears throat> the second half of the verse says these words, As my Father hath sent me, as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. So there's a comparison here, a metaphor here. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But the first time he uses the word sent right there, as my Father hath sent me, the, the word sent and the word send come from two different words. So the first one is apostello, and it has everything to do, by the way, it's found 123 times in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. But the idea of the word apostello, apostle, you would get that word from there, is the idea of being officially sent on a mission, listen to this, with unquestionable authority behind it. The commission of Matthew 28 actually begins in verse 18 when it says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The, the idea here of Jesus being sent to this earth is the idea of Jesus being sent with unquestionable authority behind his mission. All the authority of God was behind Jesus coming to this earth. Fifteen of the times this word is used in the Gospel of John, it is Jesus himself speaking of his relation to God's sending of himself, indicating that he had a clear understanding of the mission's authority. Now remember this term, the mission's authority. In this verse, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you, is the word pimpo. Send is the word pimpo. That's found 50 times in the Gospels and Acts. 24 of those times are in the Gospel of John. And this one has something to do or, or the idea of the sending process and the relationship of the sender to the sent one. It communicates very clearly that we are sent just like Jesus Christ was sent. He was sent by God the Father. We are sent into this world. Jesus said in John 17, 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now, Here's what I'm trying to establish with, with point number one. Jesus was sent by God the Father with unquestionable authority and with a divine and pure relationship between sender and sent one. Now, that authority is behind our mission, and that, that, that relationship is part of our mission. We're not being sent as strangers to go represent a king we don't know, but we have a similar relationship with Jesus that Jesus had with His Father. Can I get an amen right there? We belong to Him. So let's consider for a moment now the mission of Jesus. And first, let's talk about the purpose of His mission. Why did Jesus come to this earth the average believer would probably say, Jesus came to this earth to die for my sins. 
Although that's a true answer, it's not the primary reason he came. Two very simple thoughts right here. First of all, Jesus' purpose for his mission, number one, was to glorify the Father. Jesus came here to glorify God. He said in John 17, 4, uh, in his high priestly prayer, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, there was a perfect revelation of God on this earth before Jesus. His name was Adam, but he sinned, and he marred that image of God. But in his perfection and in the Garden of Eden, he was a perfect revelation of God. The only other perfect revelation of God that's ever existed on this earth is, is Jesus Christ. Uh, in him dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Hebrews chapter 1, he is the express image of God. He is the express image of the person of God. So for every facet of Jesus' earthly mission, his ultimate objective and motive was the glory of God. He consecrated his whole being to the honor of the Father. I do always those things which please the Father, he said over and over in the Gospel of John. And that passion completely governed his life. Every word, every thought, every deed was intensely focused on glorifying his Father. And the culmination of all of history in Revelation 7, 9 through 12 will be that every kindred, tribe, and tongue will be gathered at the throne of God to bring glory to God the Father. And I want, to, I want you to remember this statement. Everything God does is primarily for His own glory. And that included the sending of His own dear Son. Now, we love to make it about us, and we love to make it about the fact that Jesus came to this earth so we could be saved. And that's part of the gospel. That is, that is absolutely valid and true. But don't forget that the whole motive behind all of it is not the comfort of your life, nor is it the deliverance of your soul from an eternal hell. The whole motive behind all of it is the glory of our God. That's the purpose of His coming. Second purpose of His coming was to lay down his life. He came to reconcile men to God. Here's what he said in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In John 10.10, he said, I am come that they might have life. So how did Christ reconcile men to God? He did it by laying down his life. I love Philippians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus' primary purpose was the glory of God and secondary purpose was the redemption of man. Now, Lest you think I'm, I'm, I'm splitting hairs right here, I want you to hear this statement. Truthfully, those are one singular purpose. Because Jesus brought glory to God by making a way for man to come back to God. Do you know what brings God the most glory? 
Well, I can, I can praise Him. That brings Him glory. I can sing to Him. That brings Him glory. I can pray. That brings Him glory. I can live a pure and holy life. That brings Him glory. But what brings the most glory to God is when one created in the image of God is brought back into fellowship with Him and begins to reflect His glory. That's what brings Him the most glory. So here's the purpose of Jesus' mission. He came to glorify God, and He came to reconcile men to God. Now let's talk briefly about the characteristics of his mission. Philippians 2 that I quoted a moment ago, I kind of got ahead of myself quoting that, but it's, it's such a wonderful passage of Scripture. Let this mind be in you. The very first mention in that Scripture of what Jesus did was that he humbled himself. So the number one characteristic of Jesus' mission was humility. Let me ask you this. Could there be a greater humbling than to leave heaven and come to earth? Could there be a greater humbling than to be the son of the eternal God and come down here to become a man? What a giant step for him to come down. He sat on a throne, but he was born in a manger. The universe rested on his shoulders and he sustains the worlds, but he was carried as a baby in Mary's arms. His hands put the stars in place but he worked in a carpenter shop. He carved out the oceans, but he asked a Samaritan woman for a drink of water. He was praised by multitudes of heavenly hosts, but he was mocked and ridiculed and crucified by those he came to save. There is no greater example of humility. There is no greater example of sacrifice. He laid aside that to which he was divinely entitled for the sake of of the mission of his father. Sent by his father, he humbled himself to fulfill the mission. Characteristic number two is obedience. John 8 verse 29, Jesus said these words, and he that sent me is with me. Please notice next time you read through the gospel of John, how many times you find Jesus referring to himself being sent. He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. By Jesus' own testimony, listen to this, He walked in perfect harmony and in perfect obedience to His Father's will. Remember, He sent with divine authority. And He said, The Father is, hath not left me, for He is always with me. He sent by divine authority. He sent in that relationship he had with God the Father, and he lived out that relationship in perfect harmony and perfect obedience. The third characteristic of his mission was suffering. I believe Isaiah speaks most powerfully of what Jesus endured in Isaiah 53. You know the passage of Scripture. You're familiar with it, maybe. Despised and rejected. Uh, bore our griefs, it says in verse 1, he bore our griefs. In verse 5, he was wounded, he was bruised, he was chastised, he was beaten. In verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted. In verse 6, our iniquity was laid upon him. And he suffered all of that, according to verse 5, for our peace and our healing. And what was his response to such extreme suffering? According to Isaiah, he opened not his mouth. He knew the authority of his mission, and he knew the relationship he had with the Father, and he knew the necessity of glorifying his Father and reconciling men to God, 
and he went through his mission in absolute obedience, in absolute surrender to the suffering that it involved, and he didn't even open his mouth. He objected not one word. The fourth characteristic of his mission was commitment. Maybe these words are redundant, but do you know that by the age of 12, Jesus knew his mission? I think he probably knew it before that, but that's the first record we have of it in the scripture when they went to Jerusalem uh, for the feast and they were returning back to Galilee and they left Jesus. And three days later, they found out he wasn't with them. They went back and found him in the the temple, uh, speaking with the scribes and the lawyers. And here's what he said to Joseph and Mary, wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? I know I'm your son, but I'm his son. And I'm on mission because he sent me to this world. Here's what Jesus said in John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 6, I'm sorry, John 9, 4. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. So from beginning to end, Jesus was committed to this mission. So humility obedience, suffering, commitment, and number five, death. Philippians 2 verse 5 through 8 leads us to that. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. You you like this phrase, I know, Jesus was born to die. There's no simpler way to express it. He came to lay down his life for the salvation of the lost. Humbling himself all the way to death, even, Philippians 2 says, even the death of the cross, so that you could live. Amen? So, let me summarize the life of Jesus and His mission. Jesus came to glorify God by laying down His life to bring men to God. Jesus was sent by God the Father. Main point number two, we are sent by Jesus Christ. Now, this is such a powerful connection. We are sent by Jesus Christ. Look at our text verse again. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. I don't think there's anybody in this room that would question that there was an eternal plan that included Jesus coming to this earth to pay the price for our sins. Can I get an amen right there? Everybody knows that. Everybody believes that. An eternal plan that meant Jesus would come to glorify His Father and lay down His life for us. Do you realize that the eternal plan includes you? Because Jesus Himself said, as the Father sent me, even so send I you. You and I are sent with the same authority and purpose. And there are two parts of this that really give it a a force, a power, The word as means in like manner. It means the believer is sent with the same authority. The authority behind us and the authority that was behind Jesus is the same authority. It is the authority of God who owns all authority and power in heaven and on earth. It means that neither our our right or our duty or our obligation to be fully engaged in the mission of God can ever be brought into question. God sent Jesus, and Jesus sent you. You can't question that. Oh, but I don't want to be part of the mission. You don't have a right to to object. 
You weren't, you weren't asked to volunteer. You were co-missioned. You were charged with this responsibility, with this involvement. In, in, and we're going to break it down for us just like we did for Jesus a moment ago. So the word as means in like manner. As he was sent, we are sent. The word even so, or the phrase even so, denotes a transfer. And here's what it means. Not only in the same manner or in like manner, but it means for the same purpose. For the same purpose. It means that our lives are to look just like Jesus' life. It means that his purpose is to be our purpose. Are you with me this morning? It means that his passion is to be our passion. His reason for being on this earth is our reason for being on this earth. Together, these, these phrases, as and even so, convey the same authority, the same manner, and the same purpose. And let me dispel a, a, a false dichotomy that, that the work of the mission of God has never been restricted to a few select, gifted, called individuals. We are all sent ones. So the missionary today, in the biblical sense of the word, is a sent one. And when we say our church is sending out a missionary, we mean that we as a local body of believers are sending this missionary out. And, and one can choose, listen carefully, a person can choose a particular field of service. One of your missionaries on the video a few moments ago chose the field of Togo. I'm sure he did that with the Lord's leadership, but he chose the field of Togo. And, and Don Thatcher chose the, the field of Ireland. One may choose a field of service, but you do not choose to be a sent one. You're sent. Can't get out of it. You're already a sent one, sent by Jesus to be on mission with God, and long before any church ordained any missionaries, all members of the body of Christ were sent by Jesus Christ. Whatever your location and whatever your vocation, you are here sent by Jesus Christ to continue His mission. And please hear this. You have no liberty to choose whether or not you participate in the mission of God. You do have liberty to choose perhaps where you will serve. You do have liberty to choose perhaps what type of ministry you might be involved in. But ministry always has to come down to two very, very important things we'll get to here and just right here. What was the purpose of Jesus' mission? Do you remember? Let's look at the slide again as it applies to us. The purpose of our mission. You know what it is? It's to glorify God. As thou hast sent me into the world... Even so send I, I have also sent them into the world. Just as Jesus was sent for the glory of the Father, we're sent for the glory of the Father. We could go all over the Bible talking about this. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. John Stott said, the highest of missionary motives is neither obedience to the Great Commission, important as that is, nor love for sinners who are alienated and perishing as strong as that incentive is, but rather zeal, burning, passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, everything Jesus did was primarily for the glory of his Father. 
Do you know that your entire life and my entire life is to be lived primarily to bring glory to my Father? To bring glory to the Son of God? What's the second part of the mission? To reconcile men to God. As the Father sent me, what was Jesus sent for? These two things right here. As the Father sent me, even so send I you. What are you sent for? To glorify God and to reconcile men to God. This is our role. This is our purpose. We are sent by God, by Jesus, to glorify God, listen carefully, by laying down our lives to bring men to God. That is precisely the mission we're called to. And no other mission on this earth can take precedence over that one. No earthly vocation can replace that one. Uh, young people are not all going to be called to full-time ministry. Not every believer is going to be called across the ocean to share the gospel with an unreached people group. So learning a trade or learning a vocation, whether it's the medical field or engineering or business administration or manufacturing, whatever, whatever it is, as long as it is lived out in the leadership of God and lived out for the purpose of glorifying God, we weren't put on this earth to be doctors and lawyers and engineers. We're put on this earth to be on mission with God. Why am I living here? Not to make a living for my family. I need to do that. That's part of it. I have a vocation for that. But I wasn't put here for that. I was put here for the mission of God. I was sent here to be on mission with God. See, I think sometimes we get the idea that God saved us to make us comfortable. The children of Israel were delivered from Egypt after 400 plus years of bondage. And, and I think they got the ideas. They crossed the wilderness and they complained so many times. They thought God brought them out of Egypt to deliver them from the, the toil and struggle of making bricks to make their lives more comfortable. Please hear what I'm about to say. God didn't save you to give you a better life. Now you do get one. You do get a better life when you get Jesus. He didn't save you to give you a better life. He saved you to give His mission greater impact in this world. Can I say that again? God didn't save you to give you a better life. He saved you because He wanted to send you on His mission and give it greater impact in this world because He's the one who deserves honor and glory and praise. So remember what I said about Jesus? He came to glorify God by laying down his life to bring men to God. You know why we're here? To glorify God by laying down our lives to bring men to God. So what does that mission look like in your life? It should look just like the mission of Jesus Christ. It should never be cause for anyone. There should never be cause for anyone to look at your life and wonder what it is you're committed to. Anybody ought to be able to look at your life for just a short amount of time and know that man, that lady, that young person, they're on mission with God. They're living their lives to His glory and they're doing everything they can to see that the gospel is known and the glory of God is propagated and people hear the name of Jesus and they hear the gospel story that can bring them into the family of worshipers so God can receive more praise. The characteristics, remember we talked about the purpose of his mission and the characteristics of his mission. Let's look at those for us. Same. You could probably guess, right? As the Father sent me, even so send I you. So what did his look like? Here's what ours looks like. Humility. It isn't about us. He doesn't owe us a comfortable life. He doesn't owe us a peaceful existence. 
we are to humble ourselves to accept whatever requirements or conditions come in carrying out his mission. Humility and sacrifice are partners in the life of one fully engaged in the mission. And that should loosen our grip on the comforts of this life. That should eliminate the long list of comforts we feel we have a right to. Answer these questions, would you? Am I willing to lay aside anything and everything for his mission? Am I willing to forsake all preconceived notions of what my life should look like? Are the things of earth still bright lights for me, or have they grown strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace? Am I willing to do whatever He asks and go wherever He leads? Obedience. In the same way Jesus walked with His Father in complete, perfect obedience, our lives should be in complete harmony with and obedience to the One who has sent us. And we're not going to live perfect lives. We're going to make mistakes, but our striving should be to always do those things that please our Savior. Am I living to glorify God? Am I seeking to bring men to God? Am I sharing the gospel of Christ? Am I living in obedience to my sender? Suffering. Listen carefully to this. 1 Peter 2.21 For even hereunto were ye called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 4, 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Wow. We have come to expect a life free of suffering. We have come to expect freedom from religious persecution. And I am so thankful, and I know you'll say amen to this, I am so thankful I've lived in a country where for 200 and almost 50 years now, we have had in our Constitution a law, a, a Bill of Rights, which, re, which uh, uh, prevents the government from making any laws restricting the exercise of our religion, the freedom of our religion, or the, or the free exercise thereof. I didn't word that exactly right, but you know what I'm talking about. And we've come to think that's a right. Please hear what I'm about to say. Our Lord and Master told us it wouldn't be this way. He said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You know what I think we need right now, especially in the day we're living in? We need to start arming ourselves with the mind of suffering. As Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Here's what he said in John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. But all these things will they do unto you, listen, for my name's sake. For my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Jesus is linking the sending of his father, sending him to this earth. He's linking it to sending you into this world. And as they have persecuted me, as I sought to bring glory to my father, they will persecute you for his name's sake. Your persecution and your suffering and endurance of it will bring glory to God. I'm not suggesting we go looking for persecution. I'm not suggesting we try to stir up persecution. But we better arm ourselves with the same mind that when it comes, he, Jesus had it. 
Our sender had it. We should not feel a, an entitlement to a persecution-free life. Can I get an amen there? This is part of what is called the theology of suffering, and we rarely preach about it anymore. Am I armed with a mind to suffer? Can I endure suffering for the sake of His name? Can I withstand criticism and persecution and hardship, expecting that that will be part of the life of someone on mission? Can I loosen my mental grip on the comforts of life that I have taken for granted? Would I follow God if He led me to a nation which would require risk? Which would require lifestyle and cultural adjustment? Would my passion for the mission cause me to make those sacrifices without opening my mouth? Or we really need to evaluate whether we're on mission or not. Number four is commitment. It should be as evident in our lives as it was in the life of Jesus. It should be reflected in our time and our priorities and our finances. And number four, or number five is death. Jesus' commitment to the mission took him all the way to the cross. Now, since you and I are not sinless, we cannot become anyone's substitute. We cannot physically lay down our lives and shed our blood to save any man's soul, but we can lay down our will. We can lay down our expectations. We can lay down our entitlements. We can lay down our rights. And we can say to Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do to help bring men to God. We sang it in this service. For this cause, I live. And for this cause, I'd die. Do you really mean that? I surrender all for the cause of Christ. All I once held dear, I will leave behind. For my joy is this, oh, the cause of Christ. If we accept the fact that we are sent by Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what comes next. Sent to do what? Oh, it doesn't matter. The one with all authority said go. The one with all power is sending us in the same manner and for the same purpose. Where that means for my life, it doesn't matter. What that means for my life, it doesn't matter because I have been sent by Jesus Christ. Pastor Rand's son, Jacob, was in the army and I think is now in the army reserves. After his uh, basic training, if he were called into the, his commander's, uh, commanding officer's office and handed uh, an envelope and said, here's where you're going and here's how long you're going to be there and here's what you're to do. He opens the envelope and looks it all over and he says, I don't like this one. Give me something else. No, it doesn't work that way. You see, a soldier doesn't require a written statement detailing what the orders are going to be. He doesn't demand to know every risk that will be involved. He doesn't consider whether or not he wants to obey them. He doesn't think about whether they'll be great for his military career. He just obeys them because he's the commander and I'm the soldier. That's the attitude we need toward the Lord. Obedient, submissive heart, ready for his leading. No quibbling, no quibbling about whether or not we want to follow. No demand to know the risk involved, whether it will include suffering or pain. Here's another one. Are you ready? No whining about whether or not you're qualified. 
but I don't think I can. You've been sent by Jesus. He goes with you. We must come to him and bow to him in a holy salute to his lordship. Stand at attention. And when the orders are given, set out to obey. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.